home. A BC couple caught up in an adoption nightmare in Japan, returning with their new family. It was the worst thing that I've ever that's ever happened to me. And how friends and family are supporting a burn victim struggling to get back onto his feet. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening. Thanks very much for joining us tonight. Well, the man killed in yesterday's daylight shooting in Cloverdale has been identified as a father and ER nurse. Police say the attack was not random, but his neighbours are saying today that that makes no sense at all. Our Grace Key is live at the scene on 67A Avenue with the very latest. Grace, what have you learnt so far? Well, the man's name has been identified as Paul Bennett, his home right behind me here. Now, police did clear the scene earlier today. We spoke with some neighbors. They say Paul was on his way to a retirement party just in his driveway when he was shot and killed. A father, beloved hockey coach and ER nurse is Surrey's latest shooting victim. 47-year-old Paul Bennett coached his son's team with the Cloverdale Minor Hockey Association. President Marty Jones says Paul coached his son. He saw Paul on Friday after taking Marty's son to a movie. Paul was a wonderful man. He was incredible with kids. Yeah, my, Both of my boys have had dozens of coaches over the years and I would, would rank Paul as one of the best coaches that my kids have ever had. Police were called to 182nd Street and 67A Avenue on Saturday at about 4 in the afternoon. Neighbors say Paul was shot several times while sitting in the driver's seat of his truck at his driveway. Several neighbors rushed to his aid. When I came back, uh, the uh, our, our neighbor was, you know, obviously in distress already. And uh, um, the wife was doing CPR. And after that, our tenant also went over to help and Neighbors and security cameras spotted a silver Honda Civic sitting at the end of the cul-de-sac shortly before the shooting and then speed off right afterwards. There was a car that was parked outside their home for three nights in a row, random times. And that was the car that the guy got out of yesterday and went and shot the guy in the head. No word yet on a motive, but investigators believe this was not a random incident. Friends say it just doesn't make sense. Paul was named Volunteer of the Year last season and was a devoted family man. No, it doesn't fit with the Paul that I've, I've gotten to know and to appreciate and, and to see. This was a very devoted, devoted guy to our association, but first and foremost his family, uh, which was something to admire him for. And uh, yeah, just nothing that would have ever led us to believe that there was anything like that. Now, Paul Bennett did work at Peace Arch Hospital. Fraser Health did release a statement earlier today saying he was a passionate advocate for patients and patient care. And staff at our hospital are shocked and deeply saddened. Sonia? Grace, thank you very much uh, for all of that today. In other news, a BC family overjoyed at being back at home tonight with their newly adopted baby. They've spent the past week along with four other BC couples stuck in legal limbo in Japan because our federal government suddenly failed to issue visas to the babies they were adopting. On Friday night, though, the visas were granted. And as soon as that happened, one of those families couldn't wait to book the first flight out. Tanya Beja reports. 
Eva, the auntie Linda and Uncle Stan going from After here. ten long weeks, the family and friends of Kimberly Mankey and Reese Lloyd don't want any more delays. We're waiting for that sign to say arrived. <laughs> Menke and Lloyd adopted a baby in Japan, but were stranded in Tokyo when the Canadian government approved and then rescinded a visa for their son. It was just seemingly so unjust and unfair that they were held for so long. We did what we could. Letters, phone calls, emails, we did it all. Lobbying on behalf of five BC families who were left in the lurch due to bureaucratic confusion over whether the adoptions required Japanese court approval, a step 200 other families never needed. We follow the same process, um, so this has been a little bit unusual, but we're really happy that the families are coming home, and we're glad that the federal government made the right decision. Auntie Kim just texted me, we landed! <laughs> Late Friday night, the federal government, without explanation, granted the families their visa to come home. Mankey, Lloyd and their three-month-old son caught the first flight back. Such yeah. a relief. Such a relief. Such a relief. Yeah. Um, yeah, and to see all of these amazing people. All of our family uh, and friends. So great. Amazing. I just can hardly wait to get them out of that Bjorn carrier and hold them. <laughs> The adoptive families and their lawyers say they did everything right, but it's still unclear whether Canada will lift its temporary suspension of adoptions from Japan for others on the wait list. We for hope everybody. this is good news for Japan adoption and all international adoption. <laughs> we really hope that this um, opens up Japan again. What's the first thing you want to do in Canada with your little guy? <laughs> They're also making plans to celebrate their first Canada Day as a family of three. Tanya Beja, Global News. Now we're hearing tonight for the first time from the 19-year-old French woman who spent two weeks in a Washington state detention center after accidentally crossing the U.S. border while jogging in White Rock. Kristen Robinson has that story for us tonight. After spending Victoria Day at the beach with her family, 19-year-old Sidella Roman, who was visiting her mom from France, decided to go for a jog on a White Rock beach. When she stopped to take a photo on a dirt path, the American Border Patrol moved in. The border officer told, told me, like, I did something wrong. I went uh, illegally uh, on the territory in the United States. There are no signs on this stretch of beach warning people they're approaching the U.S. border. Somehow, Roman accidentally crossed the line, running all the way into Washington State, where border officials detained her. And he told me, like, you could be, like, deported to your country, to your home country, France, and you will go to detention, center detention. I said, oh, my God, it's not possible. I can't believe that. It's, yeah, imaginable. She spent two weeks at a U.S. detention center before she was able to return to Canada. Immigration lawyer Richard Curlin says both Canada and the U.S. protect sovereignty with detention. Common sense. If someone illegally enters your countries with no idea you don't know who they are or how they got there, I detain them. Criminal lawyer Kyla Lee says situations like this will only get worse once marijuana is legalized and U.S. border agents step up their scrutiny of Canadians. We're going to see other cases, particularly involving racialized individuals and minorities who are detained for lengthy periods of time and subjected to questioning before being released back to Canada. It's crazy because when you are from Europe, like France, 
all of the country is open around there, so it's completely crazy. U.S. Customs and Border Protection says even if you cross inadvertently and it's an honest mistake, it's still illegal. Roman's advice, be careful and carry your papers. Kristen Robinson, Global News. A popular downtown Chilliwack restaurant has been left gutted after a fire. Banner's restaurant on Yale Road caught fire at about 8 o'clock this morning. It was open at the time, but fortunately, everyone did manage to get outside safely. Firefighters uh, managing to save most of the structure. No word on what sparked the fire. Banner's well-known in the community, though. The mayor of Chilliwack posting on social media today, mourning the loss. In Langley, a fire broke out at a building at a popular Yupik farm just before five o'clock this morning. Uh, smoke and flames causing significant damage to a packing plant at Dradiga Farms. Firefighters were able to save about two-thirds of the building. The owners of the farm say they're just beginning to assess the damage, but they're very worried uh, because blueberry season, of course, is just a week away. Uh, this plant is heavily relied on to distribute the large amounts of blueberries that are harvested. We'll be starting immediately to try and figure out uh, how to operate. First, first step is to determine um, what state the uh, the actual packing equipment in. We we know all of the computer controls are are gone; they're not going to work. But everything can be run manually if it has to be individual pieces of equipment. In Vancouver, fire gutted a commercial building on Kingsway. A witness called 911 after hearing what he thought were firecrackers. There are apartment suites on the second floor of the building. Uh, no one was living in them. No word on the cause of this fire either. A fundraiser is being held tonight for a Surrey man and his family. Now, he has been struggling to recover ever since he took a camping trip at Alouette Lake. That was back in May, but it turned into an absolute nightmare. As Julia Foy reports, he was doing nothing more than trying to start a campfire when he suddenly found himself alight. I just feared for my life, to be honest. 36-year-old Harold Duncan Williams is still in shock after surviving a terrifying accident a month ago. You know, I still have nightmares and, and you know, I, anxiety kicks in, which I never used to have before. On the May long weekend, Duncan Williams, his wife and three children were camping with friends at Alouette Lake. What started as a laid-back holiday suddenly turned into an emergency, moments after Harold had started a fire in the fire pit. I saw him, his shirt just catch on fire and just go up in flames. I just kind of dropped to my knees and I really couldn't bear the pain anymore. And I just, part of me was saying give up. But I just remember the last thing I just decided to do is start ripping my shirt off. He was flown to Vancouver General Hospital where he's being treated for first, second and third degree burns over half of his body. Aw, thank you. He's now at home facing a long recovery before he can return to work as a fiber optic technician and as a model and actor. We were worried about how are we, we going to take care of our finances, our expenses and, and the kids. Handyman saw here this cordless Milwaukee. Friends have organized a fundraiser at a Langley pub in the hopes of raising $5,000 to cover a month of the family's expenses. They need help. They definitely need help um, to get through the next, you know, six to 12 months minimal. That's, that's an optimistic um, estimate. 
A relative has also set up a GoFundMe page for people who wish to donate online. Can you dance? Here you go. The family is touched by the generosity of the public. I don't have the words to describe how thankful we are and how fortunate and blessed we are. And it's because of them. And I honestly know their support and their kindness has helped me heal a lot faster. Julia Foy, Global News. And we can tell you the fundraiser runs until nine o'clock tonight at the Oakenthorn pub in Walnut Grove. A high-flying car stunt went wrong in Penticton last night with a man in his 40s ending up in hospital. Steve Rowley was behind the wheel of an SUV driving at high speed at the Penticton Speedway when he slammed into an RV during the flying destruction stunt. Rowley's vehicle crumbled. He did suffer injuries to his face and head, including a broken nose. Medics rushed to help and he was able to walk out of the car, but not before giving some in the crowd a real scare. This was uh, the first time Rowley had taken part in the stunt. Well, we don't want anybody to get hurt and we take precautions and we have safety people there. Uh, There's always a factor that something could happen. And uh, fortunately, last night, this is one of those things that happened. We're just very grateful and happy that it wasn't worse. Welcome back. Well, tens of thousands of people at Toronto's annual Pride Parade today, but there was a pause at this year's celebration to remember the gay men who were murdered, allegedly at the hands of an accused serial killer, Bruce MacArthur. This also is coming against a backdrop of accusations that police failed to take the disappearances of the victims seriously. Toronto's Pride event has always been an event to celebrate inclusivity and community. But this year, there's a different tone to the usually colourful event. The parade took a break for a moment of silence. There was some confusion among the spectators. Nothing was announced, so it was only until afterwards that we realised it actually happened. The moment meant to remember those in the LGBTQ community who had died over the last 12 months, including the eight men Bruce MacArthur is accused of killing. There has been tension between the LGBTQ community and police over the case. The community long warned the force that there was a serial killer in their midst. The horrendous act that happened and the fact that it took so long to be addressed. This year there are about 197 registered entries participating in the parade. That's about 30 more than last year. But for the second year in a row, there's one float that you definitely will not see participating in the parade. That is the Toronto Police. It definitely has to do with what's happened over the last 12 months. Um, The police and I, the police in Pride Toronto, have been working really closely together um, and had been working really closely together until these sort of revelations Raveled, unraveled themselves. There's no question that uh, when you have a tragic event like that, it uh, it really does uh, you know some damage. There's still a trial to go, and the police did an internal review of how they addressed this case. There's lots of pieces that we still need to address. But as Pride comes to a close, a reminder of what the month-long celebrations represent. Pride is such a symbol of inclusion and diversity, and it's really important that we remember that this is for everybody. Despite the tensions and the controversy, it still brought thousands together for Canada's biggest Pride Parade. I don't want to not be gay, so I'm pretty happy that I'm able to come to a forum like this and be able to express myself like that. Erica Vella, Global News, Toronto. All right, back in our province, the city of Surrey is considering action on a nuisance problem that's been ruffling feathers in one neighbourhood. Ah! 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 
Yeah, for months, up to 100 feral peafowl, that's a mixture of peacocks and peahens, by the way, have been causing a number of problems in Sullivan Heights. The tensions escalating when a homeowner who built cages and feeding structures for the birds was arrested after an altercation with bylaw officers and police. A new report going to council tomorrow recommends the flock be removed from the neighbourhood. If that plan gets the go-ahead, it could take months to catch all the birds and locate any eggs. And then, of course, move them somewhere else. Hundreds turned out to Surrey's softball city this weekend to honour a young player whose life was cut short by a drunk driver. Dozens of teams competing in the sixth annual Cassandra Corleus Memorial Tournament. Cassandra's family started the event in her memory after she was killed by an impaired driver in May of 2011. The 22-year-old was an avid softball player and was studying to become a teacher. The tournament is a fundraiser for scholarships now for young women going into post-secondary education. 24 have been awarded so far. Cassandra was studying to be a teacher at the time of her death and her legacy is she's still giving back to others through education. So we have a scholarship fund uh, that we raffle some prizes off and we've been very fortunate that we've given away 24 scholarships in the last seven years. A group is trying to reunite a precious memento of the Vancouver 2010 Games with its rightful owner. Um, And then I saw something shiny picking through right over here. Yeah, a 2010 Olympic torch was found in a very odd place earlier this week. Nikki Bra is part of the Copperleaf Technologies RAD, or Random Acts of Delight program. Uh, she and her colleague, uh, Sophia Lord, were out on the shoreline doing a clean-up near the Coal Harbour seawall, and that is when they came across this torch lying in some bushes. And as I was walking over there, I noticed something shiny picking through the bushes, and... When we looked inside, it was the Vancouver 2010 Olympics um, torch. We thought maybe somebody stashed it for later, maybe to sell it or something, because we found out some of the bikers that were driving by, um, they told us that they're actually worth quite a bit. Um, So we thought that maybe somebody stole it and stashed it into the bushes to come back and get it later. Yeah, very odd to find that. Bra and her rad colleagues tried to track down the owner by checking the torch's serial number online. Uh, Now they may have to hand it over to police if they can't find uh, the rightful owner to that. Surrey's former Stardust drink offered its fans one final skate. That happened last night. Roller skaters having a bit of fun on the dance floor at Central City Arena one last time. The venue is closing to make way for a condo tower development, and it's not the first time uh, that this rink has had to say goodbye. The original Stardust rink uh, closed back in 2005 after operating for 50 years. That was later revived and rebranded as Central City Arena. Uh, So the owners we are hearing are already working on a new location. Lots of memories, great memories, yeah? So hopefully she's going to get some of those now when they open up a new rink someplace else, and in the door it's still the stardust spent our entire childhood oh yeah so we were here from the get-go are you gonna miss the old building here well, of course yeah i remember when it was uh 
when it was Stardust and they turned it into Liquidation World and I never thought it would be a roller rink again. Yeah. It's amazing, right? Yeah. <laughs> Aww. Isn't that where all the romance begins usually at the roller rink when you're <laughs> right. a uh, budding teenager and you're uh, you know, looking for your first true love? If they can, if they can roller skate, that's a, that's a good thing. Any confessions? Uh, of course, when I started doing that, uh, <laughs> they had the four. They had the four rollers, not these roller uh, skate blades. Bla- 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 blades is actual roller skates, like they did at the old A and W. Yeah, so, wow. I'm, I'm way back. This is a double throwback. My for goodness me! me. Yeah, this yeah. is like yeah. We need yeah, to take pictures. It, probably a little too much. Yeah. All right. <laughs> okay. So um, also we've got, of course, weather and sport coming mm-hmm. up, and no roller skating today. In well, sport, no. Well, no, I was thinking today, your 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 country. Oh yes, well. of course. How can I not mention that? Yes. I'm sorry. Listen, England, England amazing. England I've had, never been this excited since uh, well, Euro '96. It's been a while. I mean, yeah. there was no expectation on this English team because uh, you know back when they had the Beckhams and all these big names, exactly. everyone thought this is the team, and they they can they always disappointed everyone. <laughs> this time around, yeah. no expectation, and they've won two, and they scored six goals amazing. today against Panama. So highlights coming up. All right, okay, and then Yvonne, of course, the sun's been shining. It's been a really lovely day across the province. Again. Yes, and a big change is on the way. Uh, temperatures oh. today. A look at our First off, we're still back into the 30s for many areas into the interior. But we do have a cold front. It's already sweeping across coastal sections. We've got rain and heavy at times. But this evening, we do have the risk of a thunderstorm. We do have a special weather statement for interior sections. I'll outline those areas, and we've got rainfall warnings for the northeastern corners of the province. How long will it last and how much we'll see that coming up shortly. All right. Thank you very much for that, both of you. Welcome back. Well, Canadian troops arrived in the African nation of Mali today, beginning a year-long peacekeeping mission there. The country has been locked in a civil war since 2012. As Global's David Aiken now reports, their arrival is happening ahead of a key election. It's just a handful of soldiers right now, a 12-member theater activation team. They arrived today in Mali with Canada's top soldier, General Jonathan Vance. Their task prepare the way for the rest of the Canadian contingent, three Chinook transport helicopters, five Griffin attack helicopters, and about 250 soldiers and aircrew, all to be in place by August. The Canadians are joining a United Nations peacekeeping force of about 15,000. The Mali mission has been one of the most dangerous peacekeeping missions the UN has ever undertaken. The Blue Helmets have become targets of the country's warring factions and terrorists. 170 peacekeepers have been killed in Mali since the mission began in 2013. Canada's job will be to provide medical evacuation for UN forces operating in the north and central part of the country. The Canadians will be arriving at a crucial time for Mali politically. Presidential elections are set for the end of July, and yet the campaign has already been marred with violent demonstrations and there are growing fears of corruption. And unless civil authorities in Mali, with the help of UN peacekeepers, can pull off a free and fair election, the situation in Mali is likely to worsen. David Aiken, Global News, Ottawa. In the U.S., protesters once again targeting a detention center in Texas, demanding that migrant families be reunited. We want justice! 
Right now, there are more than 2,000 children in federally funded facilities across the country. Many of them have been separated from their parents at the U.S.-Mexico border. Now, some of those parents have been deported. The U.S. Senate's top Democrat is demanding that the Trump administration appoint a czar to help reunite the families. But Trump has fired back on Twitter, saying those who, quote, invade the U.S. should be sent back home without a court hearing. 25 people injured in an explosion that destroyed an apartment building in western Germany today. Four of the injured are in critical condition. The explosion so powerful that the top three floors of the building were leveled. Firefighters also had to put out several fires sparked by the explosion. The cause of this, the cause of this blast is being investigated. Prince William arrived in Jordan today, beginning a politically sensitive five-day visit to the Middle East. The Duke of Cambridge given the red carpet treatment when he landed at a military airport in Amman. Tomorrow he leaves for Jerusalem for the first ever official visit by a member of the British royal family to Israel and the Palestinian territories. The trip is now being billed as non-political. The palace saying emphasis will be on technology and joint Israeli-Arab projects. But the prince will also be meeting with Israeli and Palestinian leaders. Saudi Arabia has officially lifted its ban on women drivers from today. In the past, the country had forced women to sit in the back seats and restricted their movements. But despite this new move being described by a lot of people as progress, women do still lack full equality in the male-dominated kingdom. It's the start of a new era here in Saudi Arabia today. Women actually driving themselves to work for the first time after a decades-long ban on women drivers was lifted. I'm so excited that I can drive myself around and not wait for a driver. It happened at a stroke after midnight last night. Women, mothers, sisters, daughters all out behind the wheel, starting their engines taking their own victory laps. It looks way different from the back seat. <laughs> uh, I'm just, I'm just so happy. <laughs> like, my eyes is just like everywhere, you know. I'm not used to this. One woman told me it was like women's new year in Saudi Arabia. Even a billionaire crown prince was out driving with his daughter in the driver's seat. <laughs> He said Saudi Arabia has now entered the 21st century. Uh, this is all part of the Saudi Crown Prince's plan to modernize the economy, modernize society. While it's true that women still need a male guardian's permission to get a passport, to travel abroad, uh, to get married for the first time, things are starting to change. Women no longer need that permission to go to work. It's not a legal requirement, and they don't need it to get a driver's license and hit the road. A truly uh, new era here in Saudi Arabia. Kelly Kobieya, NBC News, Riyadh. World Cup matches aren't the only hot ticket in Russia. It's ballet performances that are also now selling out. A state academic opera and ballet theatre was sold out for a production of Swan Lake. Officials say the World Cup has increased interest in Russian ballet. Soccer tourists are looking for a more refined cultural experience in the city. All right, welcome back. Uh, Vancouverites had the chance to enjoy an annual tradition today, one that has roots dating back thousands of years.
Five blocks uh, of West Broadway from McDonald's to Blenheim closed to traffic until nine o'clock tonight. It's to make room for uh, a day highlighting Greek food, Greek music and entertainment. It is Greek Day, marks the end of the annual Greek Heritage Month in Vancouver. The co-founder of this event, um, Nick Panos, he's been a merchant on the street for over 40 years. Um, and just kept that tradition going. And um, it's a team of people, um, and, and it's just also the, the public that love to come out and, and celebrate. And, um, but it's just about people connecting and coming together. That's lovely. All right, let's uh, go over to Yvonne, who's uh, got all the weather for us right now. And they per- certainly had perfect weather for that today. Yeah, it was very nice. We yeah. did have some sunny breaks. The weather picture now, though, a change. We are tracking that moisture. It's moved across the island. We will see it this evening, and we're underneath that cloud cover. Windy conditions have started to ramp up now northwesterly at 37 kilometers per hour. Temperatures of the airport at 18. Today, we still bumped up to 22 degrees, where the average for this time of the year sits at 20, and a record of 27 degrees. Greens was set back in 1962. 30 is the current temperature for Kamloops, Cranbrook at 26 degrees. Good evening into Prince George at 13. Prince Rupert 14 degrees. Victoria at 20. And Whistler with their current temperature at 14. Here's the moisture that is pushing in across the south coast, central interior. We've got active weather to talk about both this evening and similar for tomorrow. The moisture is going to be for the evening and overnight across Metro Vancouver. We will be looking at the risk of thunderstorms and that'll continue to be the weather story for most areas into the interior, especially by the afternoon. This evening, still seeing the risk of thunderstorms, moisture across the central interior. The northeastern corners, we've got a rainfall warning for Muncho Lake Park as well as Fort Nelson. A range between 60 and up to 80 millimeters will take you in towards Tuesday before it starts to taper off. Fort Nelson, we do have a severe thunderstorm watch in effect where the main threat will be the rain, where we could see up to 25 millimeters in an hour. We are also looking at the potential for hail and very windy conditions with gusts of up to 90 kilometers per hour. The moisture across the central interior will bring a drop in temperatures. Most areas today, you were into low 30s. Tomorrow, you'll be back into the low 20s. A special weather statement has been issued for the following areas. The Nicola, North Thompson, Okanagan Valley, Shushwap, South Thompson, as well as the West Columbia regions, where we could see heavy showers this evening, risk of thunderstorms with very gusty winds up to 70 kilometers per hour. It will start to ease off, but there is still the potential for some active weather for the overnight. There's a drop in temperatures across interior sections where it's cooling off for many areas by 10 degrees. So the piece looking at gusty winds tomorrow up to 60 kilometers per hour, rain and heavy at times with temperatures up to 15. White horse underneath a mainly cloudy sky, 18 tomorrow, and then more sunshine peaking in on Tuesday, Wednesday. Coastal sections should remain dry across the northern half of the province. Showers redeveloping on Tuesday. Caribou and central interior cooling off tomorrow with only high 14 degrees, unsettled with the chance of showers for the next two days. Columbia and Kootenai region, a risk of a thunderstorm tomorrow for the afternoon, a high of 23 Thompson, Okanagan, up to 20 degrees, also still looking at the risk of a thunderstorm. But this evening, we could see the potential for very windy conditions. Whistler up to 15, risk of a thunderstorm will be for the afternoon. Unsettled for most areas across the south coast tomorrow, where we could see the risk of a thunderstorm. But before the afternoon, temperatures up to 18. It rebounds underneath a mix of sun and cloud on Tuesday with a high of 20 degrees. Sonia? Thank you very much for that, Yvonne.
Nice to see it cooling down a little bit. Now, 6,700 racers pounded the pavement this morning in the Scotiabank Vancouver Half Marathon and 5K. Three, two, one, go ahead and Pretty tough course. It took runners along Spanish banks through Kitsilano and then over the Barad Street Bridge before crossing the finish line at Stanley Park. A lot of people dedicating their race to 70 local charities this year. A total of $970,000 has been raised. All right, I'm going to be hanging on to your every word right now because... What a moment. They're going bonkers in England. They are buzzing right now. Buzzing. Yes. All right. (laughs) Very exciting. It's fun to watch. A lot of of English fans here in Canada, too. Thanks, Sonia. England has the second youngest team at Russia 2018. Not much was expected from this group, but they've already done something the 2014 veteran squad couldn't do at the last World Cup, and that's win and advance to the knockout stage. This next generation of English footballers is talented. It seems more together, and they seem to really care care about each other and that's been a pretty successful combination so far in Russia. England came out aggressively against Panama today and it paid off. Eighth minute off the corner kick John Stones another one of those mid-twenties players. First goal for England for him. 1-0 England. 22nd minute awarded a penalty after Jesse Lingard was brought down and Captain Harry Kane with authority. That's 2-0. Kane scored twice in their opener. 36th, Jesse Lingard. Perfect finish to the far corner. England having a grand old time. Up 3-0. Four minutes later, it's John Stones again. Heads in the rebound. His second. Kane added another penalty. It was 5-0 at halftime. The most goals England's ever scored in a World Cup match. Second half, you know it's your day when you score, and it was by accident. Ruben Loftus' cheek shot deflects off the back heel of Harry Kane and deflects in for his hat-trick goal. England could do no wrong. 6-1 the final, thrashing Panama. England are off to the knockout stage. Poland and Colombia favored to advance out of Group H. Both lost their openers, 40th minute. Colombia shows its quality. They got on the board. It's uh, Hamas Rodriguez with the service. Yeri Mina heads it in. 1-0 Colombia. A very colorful crowd there. 70th minute. Beautiful through ball by Quintero. Radamel Falcao scores. And it's 2-0 for the South Americans. And five minutes later, another brilliant pass to spring Juan Cadrado. He will find the back of the net. And Colombia with conviction. 3-0 over Poland. Colombia still alive to advance. And with the loss, Poland is eliminated. Japan and Senegal in the final match of the day. Both won their openers, so a win by either today would mean advancing to the round of 16. Tied at one in the second half. Senegal takes the lead. Musa Waige with the goal. And it's 2-1 for Senegal, but they couldn't hold it. Japan equalized a few minutes later. The cross causing some havoc in the Senegal box. Kasuke Honda will score. It ends 2-2. Both clubs have four points, so it'll come down to their final match just to see if they advance to the knockout stage. All right, MLS action from Yankee Stadium. New York City FC hosting Toronto FC first half. Toronto get on the board. Victor Vasquez wins the race, chips it over the keeper from distance. Great touch by the Spaniard. 1-0 Toronto. But then New York City equalized. The Norwegian Joe Inga Burgett with a cheeky back heel 
Our back heels are ever not cheeky. 1-1 and then more Viking power in the 68th. Burgett puts away his second and New York City take it 2-1. They are second in the East. TFC are way down in 10th. Second from the bottom. Our BC is brought to you by Alpine Credits. Own your own home and need a loan? Get approved in less than 24 hours at alpinecredits.ca. Welcome back. NHL free agency begins a week from today. I don't expect the Canucks to make too big a splash considering they're in a rebuild and all. Today they did make a trade with the Blackhawks. Uh, No Patrick Kane or Jonathan Taves coming back this way. It's a one-for-one deal involving minor league centers. Michael Chaput for Tanner Kiro. Kiro is 25 years old, split last season between the Hawks and their minor league affiliate in Rockford. He had three points in eight NHL games, eight goals, 12 assists in the minors last year. Final round of the Travelers Championship from Connecticut. Englishman Paul Casey had a four-shot lead when the day began. Got off to a great start. First hole from 21 feet. Makes the birdie, but that was his only one of the day. Meanwhile, Bubba Watson, two-time winner at the Travelers, chips in for birdie at the 10th. He jumps into second place, just three back of Casey. And then at the 12th, from about 14 feet, Bubba rolls it in within two shots now. He birdied 13, and then at 15 with his fourth birdie on the backside. He's tied for the lead at 16 under. 18th hole. Like this at 12. His approach from just 73 yards out. This is right on. It bounces off the flagstick. Almost hold it for an eagle. But he would make the short putt for birdie. A 7 under 63 for Bubba. Takes a one-shot lead at 17 under. Casey, meanwhile, just couldn't get anything going. Par putt at 16. Slides it by. Makes bogey. That was it. Casey finishes in a tie for second. Bubba Watson wins his third Travelers Championship. Abbotsford's Adam Hadwin finished 42nd at 4-under after a 66 today. Baseball, the Jays in Anaheim to finish off their series against the Angels. Great start for Toronto. Devin Travis taking this one the other way to right center. It's a three-run home run. Second inning, 3-0 Toronto. Angels did tie it. But Oledmus Diaz gets the Jays back in front with a solo shot. 4-3, Toronto in front. They were up 6-3 in the eighth, but a couple of errors let the Angels back in it. Bases loaded. Martin Maldonado unloads them with this double off the wall. Three runs come around to count, and that three-run Jays lead is gone. We're tied 6-6, so it goes to extra innings. And it's the former angel, Kendris Morales, with a solo jack to right. Blue Jays take two of three in Anaheim, beating the Angels 7-6. The Mariners lost 5-0 to Boston. And some tennis from London, Queens Club final. Novak Djokovic against Marin Cilic, opening set. Djokovic in the far court. He's regained his form after recovering from elbow surgery. The big backhander down the line there leads to the win. Took the first set 7-5. Second set tie break. This time it's Chilich with the big serve that sets up the put away at net. So he acquire a third set. And in the third, Chilich got a break in the eighth game and then served it out as he takes the Queen's uh, Club championship over Novak Djokovic. Wimbledon starts 
in just one week. So they're on the oh. grass courts now tuning up Hymns for Wimbledon. And strawberries. Strawberries and, and kind of cream stuff. and everything. All of that stuff. Are you sure you don't want to show those England goals again? Uh, well, they're going to be bad. Hopefully, for England's case, I hope they didn't you know, score all their goals now. And not, lot, that happens a lot. You'll score six, and then will they get any in their next game against Belgium, which will be a tough test. Tonight, a mission that begins and ends with happy birthday. NBC's Kevin Tibbles has the story of a 99-year-old North Carolina man who's touching the hearts of a lot of people on their special day. The early birds are up and Carl Webb's fingers are already pecking out the numbers. At 99 years of age, he can't visit everyone on his birthday list. Well, happy birthday to you. But no one is going to miss out on Carl's message of love. Singing brings you joy? Oh, my goodness. I wouldn't be alive without it. (laughs) What's so special about this deeply religious man with the golden voice? He's been making these calls every day to the congregation of his church and even complete strangers for 18 years. And he's got a drawer full of number cards to prove it. All told... How many calls do you think you've made? Somewhere between 35 and 36,000 times of singing happy, happy Birthday. birthday and before long, I think I'm going to learn all the words to Happy Day. <laughs> the phone numbers are compiled by friends at Westminster Presbyterian Church in Greensboro, North Carolina. It's just the creativity that he's come up with. I mean, he has figured out a way. Carl's been singing since childhood. He's even recorded an album with his family. But these days, he spreads the love from his apartment in the home of daughter Betsy. Not a day goes by that I don't get somebody coming up to me and saying, thank you, Dad, for that call. It just, I've I've saved it on my machine and I'll listen to it over and over if I'm having a bad day. And just watch the eyes light up as that melodious message arrives. couldn't be in church on his birthday, everyone recorded a song just for him. Carl, are you a bit of a ham? Bit of a ham. <laughs> a reek of ham. <laughs> Love, positivity, kindness, friendship. Our world needs more Carl Webbs. Okay. Oh, uh, boy. For whatever love he sows, Carl reaps tenfold in return, which, of course, he Happy shares next time there's a birthday. Kevin Tibbles, NBC News, Greensboro, North Carolina. Today. Oh, fantastic. What a lovely, lovely guy. That's the secret to staying yeah. young and happy. That's a great yeah. Sunday uh, story. Dad. It is, isn't it? Makes you feel good. Yes, yeah. it does. And Walton Carl Tibb will think he's absolutely amazing. Um, and if you want to enjoy the rest of your Sunday, still some sunshine left, Yvonne. Yeah, we are looking at some wet weather that is going to push in uh, for this evening and overnight. Unsettled with the risk of thunderstorms once again for tomorrow afternoon. And then it should break up on our Tuesday with the return for some sunshine and then back up to 20 degrees. All right. Thank you very much for your company tonight. We'll be back tonight at 11. See you then. Good night. Good night. For most of us, crime is something we see on the news. We never think it could happen to us until it does. 
Loved ones are gone, and for the survivors, the scars will never heal. I'm Nancy Hickst, a senior crime reporter for Global News. And on this season of Crime Beat, I'll take you inside some of the most serious crime stories I've covered. Season six of Crime Beat is available now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and all podcast platforms.